RVN. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Chad Moyer here on the Rural Radio Network and uh, we're going to visit with Mike Zuzalo, commo- uh, Global Commodities Analytics, uh, for today's program. Mike, uh, first of all, let's just do a quick rundown on the markets. And again, uh, you know, two days into the trading week and a second day in a row of big moves higher. Just give us kind of the generalities. Where did we end in the grains today? Yeah, limit up in the uh, most markets here, Chad, at this point when it comes to the corn and the wheat. The beans came back later in the price action trading day uh, to try and even up more with the corn and with the wheat. But May corn limit up 35 cents. I suspect we'll see extended limits by the mercantile exchange. They don't have to do that, but I think they probably will this time around. Uh, wheat, soft red wheat up 50 cents in the May contract. And the uh, hard red wheat May contract also at 50 cents. So um, got some limit price action there. Um, remember that the March contracts are in delivery now. And so we don't have limits on those. And so March corn, which is really the cash price in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, since we're in deliverable, is up about 42 plus cents. March soft red wheat up 76 and a half. And then the March hard red wheat up 60 cents. So they continue to lead and keep the premium driven. Uh, hogs followed the beans and the corn much better today than yesterday. The April hogs up about 257, May up about three and a quarter. Feeder cattle continued to play off the big corn rally. So feeders were down about a dollar 35 in March, <clears throat> about a dollar 82 in the April. Um, fat cattle played it in between the two. They, they found the support off the hog complex but also were weighed down by the feeders. Didn't do bad, though. April fat cattle only down 52 cents today, 140.90. That's a pretty critical support level right around there. All right. What about the volatility today? You know, uh, since the uh, the Russia-Ukraine thing kind of got started, we've seen these wild back and forth, a lot of volume in the market. Was today a, a high-volume day, or was it a little bit more muted in that regard? Uh, it was a very high volume day again today. I mean, we did probably around 174,000 contracts of, of May corn to give you an example, Chad. I think one of the things that is happening here, I mean, there's two big things that have happened this week that have appeared this week out of the conflict between the Ukrainians and the Russians. Um, number one would be the escalation militarily by Putin, um, even more serious uh, in terms of what the trade was not expecting. And, and this, in turn, gives the market a lot more nervousness and trade uh, trades a lot more fear and that is what brings in your volatility is that fear and that uncertainty um but it it becomes at the end of the day um and at the end of the time period you reflect on it as an analyst this is even more serious from a standpoint of supply concerns because it really says in my opinion when when putin goes ahead and starts targeting civilians in ukraine it increases the likelihood of him not looking for any kind of peace settlement. He's there to win it, and he's crossed that Rubicon now. That means it's probably going to last longer, and the trade's playing it that way now, expecting now supplies of whether it's crude oil or whether it's wheat or corn to be tied up for a greater period of time. And at the end of last week, they weren't there yet. So I think this is a big development in this week's trade. So I think you said you mentioned two things, and I caught one of them. What was the second one there, Mike? Yeah, real good point. The second one was the sanctions on Russia. They're really starting to bite into the financial markets and the banking sector. And this is where it comes into your shipping. You know, we had the two largest 
shipping companies uh, in the world, MSC and Maersk, come out just today and suspend all container shipping to and from Russia. And they, they, we continue to see Russia become more and more and more uh, uh, isolated, Chad. And, and even the Wall Street Journal is reporting that crude oil prices and crude oil is being offered in the Urals, which is the Russian market. It's being offered at about a $15 a barrel discount to Brent crude, but no one's taking it. I mean, so Russia is very, very isolated. And this, again, ties up those supplies. The financing for Russian goods is evaporating, and therefore the supplies are unattainable, whether it's because of shipping or whether it's because of financing. These sanctions are starting to make a real headway in the real marketplace. And so as a result of that, U.S. cash wheat, U.S. cash corn, U.S. cash crude oil, so on and so forth, now much, much stronger demand as a substitute for these tied-up supplies. And we saw specifically today the French wheat price and the French corn price really uh, escalate in value. French corn since the end of February has gone from about $300 a ton to just in about 15, uh, three to five days or 10 days roughly, almost $400 a ton. And so this has really ignited our cash corn at the Gulf and at the Pacific Northwest. And that's really the heart, I think, of why we continue to drive limit up prices in the board. Cash is in control. Yeah. Maybe to expand on that a little bit, is it too early to tell or are we actually seeing, uh, you know, with that isolation going on, are we actually seeing where other countries are going for physical commodities? Are we able to pick up on that yet already? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think what we're going to see is because the United States and some of the European countries that still have excess supplies, because the world traders know that the shipping and financing are intact, that's where they're going to go because of the, the, the supply is much more secure. And this goes back to someone I was talking with at, at Agency France, uh, another uh, media group over in Europe today at the close. They said, well, what does this mean? And I said, well, what this means is in the short term, you can't get from here to there as far as tying up all those supplies and filling that gap. It's more of a medium-term answer, whether you're talking about wheat or whether you're talking about crude oil and corn. It doesn't matter. The supply situation is critical, and we just can't fill the void here right away. So this is a key time period. Now, the converse is true. If Vladimir Putin would change his mind and all of a sudden we'd see a peace settlement, I think the market could dro- the market price could drop out of the, the – the floor would drop out underneath this market for a time period. All right. Well, we'll continue to uh, talk about these and other things that are going on in the markets. Like you say, big spotlight on Russia, Ukraine right now. But there are other things that are going on in the market as well. We'll hit on some of these things and some other thoughts and ideas as well. Coming up in our second segment, again, visiting with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, our guest on today's Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Stay tuned. We'll have part two coming up right after this. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extendiflex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about Extendiflex soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label direct. VM. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Again, I'm Chad Moyer, continuing to visit with Mike Zuzalo, uh, Global Commodity Analytics on today's uh, Final Bell. Uh, Mike, we continue to talk about just uh, kind of wrapping up our thoughts on, at least for today, on the Ukraine situation. And, and we hit on some of the commodities. But what about the, the energies, the, the crude oil? What's the takeaway from at least today's trade on the energy side? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Chad, because I think we really, if we go back to the genesis, if we go back to the seed that was planted that created this rally, I think it really does go back to the energy markets, whether it's the inflation from two years ago or whether it's what's happening with Russia, Ukraine. And the vegetable oil markets picked up on this as well because they already had a tight supply before the crude oil and the energy started to rally. So I think we're at a situation now where we really want to keep our focus on the crude oil market. And WTI today in New York was able to get above $105 a barrel. It was actually able to make a high in the April contract of about 106.78. That takes you up to the highest level since June of 2014. Remember, 2014 was the time when the Russians came in and took over Crimea. And so we are now back to putting in enough premium that we're at least equal to what's happened in Crimea. Now, back in 1986 was when we had the Chernobyl accident. Uh, that's something that the wheat market especially had, I think, around a 20% rally back in April and May of 1986 when that nuclear accident occurred. I bring that up, Chad, because the issue with the nuclear weapons that, that Vladimir Putin put on the table a couple days ago, and this goes back to why these sanctions have been expanded so dramatically. He did that to himself by doing this with the nuclear talk. But if we would see anything on the nuclear side of the equation, I think we really have to understand that then all of a sudden we're talking about prices we probably have never seen before. So this is critical when it comes to the hedger and what he's doing. And I guess what my basic point is, is the energy market is still the leader in all of this. And with that, the dollar right behind it. Hey, let's go over and take a look at uh, the livestock side of things. Have, have the hogs kind of turned a corner? What's going on here, Mike? Well, I think they've started to pick up with the relationship and the soybeans again. You know, it's something that I always call the pork and bean trade, Chad. And I think this is one of the things that the funds, I think, really tend to enjoy the, the price action in the meats because they know that the meats can't be stored like grains. And so when the funds decide to turn friendly on something in the meat complex, they try to ride it, I think, as much as they can. And the soybean lead month futures against hog lead month futures on a 16-week basis, they have a positive correlation of over 90% right now. So if you look at the last 16 weeks of price action on average, these two move together almost one-to-one. And I think that finally kicked in here on Tuesday with the assault uh, of the sellers coming in uh, late last week, early this week, and, and with the idea that the cattle on feed report, I think, is probably priced in. So the pork and bean trade, I think, is back in fashion. Hogs found that support off the energy markets and the veg oils. Okay, but uh, still more of a mixed signal for live cattle and feeder cattle, huh? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, the fat cattle especially, you're in an Easter seasonal now. You're going to be wanting to buy hams for Easter, theoretically, but we've already had this big run-up in the pork price two, three weeks ago and the cutouts two, three weeks ago. So it really leaves you questioning where the packers are going to go to for this next three weeks of demand. And I think this is where 
undervalue for me is below 140 in April fat cattle. I feel like we deserve, because of the price of corn going straight up the flagpole, we deserve more since we're feeding so much more expensive grain to the cattle. We deserve at least a 140 price for nearby marketings, and seeing a one-pound weight drop last week adds to that mindset. But if you get up into that 145, 146 level in the April board, I think that's probably an area that the Packers are going to push back and maybe try and turn back towards pork or poultry at this stage. Okay. Last question I have for you here today. Uh, is there still a story out of South America? Anything new? Anything old? What uh, What should we be watching uh, south of the equator? Yeah, unless something really comes out of nowhere at this point, I think the year is starting to conclude, Chad. I think we're in a situation where the market went too big on production, way too big, <clears throat> after a drought year last year, thinking we're going to recover completely. Then they went way too small. We actually saw some data come out late last week that the Brazilian crop is maybe closer to 130 again, 130 million metric tons for soybeans. I'm not sure it's that high, but I think we've finally kind of gotten an even keel about the crop with some rains coming into southern Brazil and Argentina forecasts right now are for some more to follow up so those are going to be key rains but if we follow those up with these uh, ne- this next round i think we've got a solid crop at that point and no more reductions but it doesn't solve the equation of where china is going to get the rest of their soybeans unless they really are sincere about cutting their imports by 30 percent or 30 million metric tons which they put out two weeks ago i'm not going to forget that anytime soon Yep. All right. Hey, how can we follow along? Give us your contact information for folks that would like to visit with you about what's going on in the markets. Sure. The best place is to go to the website, globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. There's a free trial and just sign up and get a two-week free trial, no cost, and only contact you once at the end. Otherwise, call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, our guest on today's program. And again, a reminder, commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.